Hold hands and close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to the Ghost Story Guys. I'm Brendan Storr. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is a show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun is set, and this is most definitely one. Thank you for tuning in. This is episode number 39. And we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about but can never quite reach. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing great, Brennan. How are you? I'm good. Welcome back from vacation. Thank you. You were in Alberta? In Calgary. Fancy. It was so fancy. How was Calgary? It was good. Saw my mom, saw my brother, aunt, uncle, cousins, friends, everybody. Oh, most importantly, above all of that. I went to Red Lobster. I was just about to ask <laughs> if you went to Red Lobster. There's two in Calgary. Oh, I know. So you can say, let's not go to that Red Lobster. Let's, let's go, go to, to the good Red yeah. Lobster. We actually went to the bad Red Lobster in the Northeast, which is where I grew up, which is kind of like gangland territory now. Um, but they still have Red Lobster, and we still went, so it was pretty awesome. Now, I, I have to know, what did you have? The um, Admiral's Platter. Which is crab, they basically just crab legs. The shipping trawler just opens per, its thing. I would have been happy with that. <laughs> um, yeah, the lobster tail, crab legs, two kinds of shrimp. Oh, nice. Baked potato. We stole some biscuits. Actually, we didn't steal them. They gave us a bag to take them home. But You know, now, I one of the first times I went to Red Lobster, I might have said this on the show before, was down in near Oceanside, California. Right. And we went, uh, we were on a road trip, my friends and I. And we we ate a ton of biscuits because <laughs> they're free. Yeah, exactly. We made disgusting, ex- just mockeries of human beings of yeah. ourselves. Uh, but then, as we were getting ready to go, we started wrapping biscuits up in napkins. Right. Because we thought, all right, well, we're on a road trip. We got to save money. Yeah. And the waitress comes by with a big insulated bag and says, "Hey, you guys want more biscuits?" That's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't just stashing these in my pocket like a sad hobo crashing a funeral. <laughs> Um, she brought us a bag with some already in it. Nice. Uh, yeah. So I enjoyed those. I miss those. If cheese, I can butter. I can't eat them anymore. I I would want to die. <laughs> I don't even know why you keep I, breathing. No, I have my moments. I do yeah. wonder. No, butter makes my life happy. Oh, I mean, I got that fake stuff, which is it works actually. It's hard to tell the difference, but no one else uses it. What do you mean fake stuff? What's it called? Ah, uh, I can't believe it's not butter. No, <laughs> that also has dairy in it. Yeah, and also I totally believe that that is not butter. Yes. Yeah. No. no it's. Uh, I think it's called natural balance or nature balance. Oh. It's a non-soy because I, I can't do yeah. soy. Yeah. It's a non-soy butter substitute. I, I just use that on everything now. Really? Yeah, it's solid. And you can't. T- I you can't, can't tell t- the difference. Uh, but no, that's sounds like a great vacation. It was a great vacation. I had a great time. Came home. Went back to work. Oh, well, yeah. There's no avoiding that. The grind continues. No, no, we didn't miss anything. Well, that's not true. You you didn't miss nothing. You missed the opening of our Patreon. That's right. Although I experienced it fully on the miracle that is my phone. Yes. Because it was blowing up. I I picked possibly the worst day in history to, except maybe (laughs) 9-11. Or the start of World War II. Yeah, yeah. Maybe third or fourth. Okay. You know. Yeah. Maybe. 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 Those, those might not compare. <laughs> but, uh, Did yeah. Did Patreon go down? Patreon went down. <laughs> I I think it was a Wednesday. Yeah. And I had a two-hour radio show I had to record. Our family had just left from overseas. They'd just gone yep. back home. So I had a two-hour radio show to record. I had a whole bunch of work to do because I'm back working almost full-time now. Yeah. And so I, because honestly, I thought we'll put this thing up. It'll be up for a while. And I told you, I said, we're going to take it down if after three months, no one subscribes. Yeah. 
Uh, and I laughed at you. You did. Yeah. And with good cause, yeah. because in the first week, we have had 35 people sign up. Uh, in the first 24 hours, we had like 20. Yes. It was incredible. I am stunned. I am so, so thrilled. I, oh, it's, it's it's so cool. And yeah. and to everyone who's listening, thank you so much for those of you who have signed up. Yeah. We'll do the actual Patreon push or sort of thing at the beginning of the show. But, yeah. Or sorry, end of the end of the show. But I just wanted to say uh, thank you to our patrons. You help make this show possible because... This pays for studio time. We're actually at the point now. We're only $40 short a month of total revenue neutral status. Amazing. So it pays for four studio sessions a month, all the subscription services, Adobe Audition, Epidemic Sound. uh, And we're, I think, $350 a month is we get to pay Luke a little bit. Right. And uh, $450 is we actually get to have a music budget. So we can offer artists a little bit of cash. That would make your life happy. Yeah, because then we the can say, I can say to part. someone, we're going to use your song, and we can actually give you. $10. A full $10. <laughs> I was thinking 50 but yeah, I like, <laughs> like where you're coming from. But yeah, so thank you to everyone. That's It's just crazy. I, I was, uh, <clears throat> I've been watching uh, Amazing Interiors on Netflix, and they, one of the, think episode three, one of the transformations is this guy up in Northumberland. I think Allendale is a village. Right. Who built his own sci-fi museum. Oh, in wow. In his basement with a lot of original props. Wow. He's got an original Dalek. Yeah. Uh, very cool stuff. Yeah. It opens officially in October. I've had a chat with Luke, and we think we should be able to get him there with some video equipment. Nice. To actually check this place out. <gasps> And then we'd have something to actually put on our YouTube channel. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) But that's all in the future for now. We have an episode I'm very much looking forward to. Uh, This episode is The Hauntings of Pittsburgh. Which I'm pretty sure you're the first person to ever say they're looking forward to something to do with Pittsburgh. I have, and we'll we'll talk about this in the C segment, I have a a strange connection to Pennsylvania. Really? I've I've mentioned it on the show before, and I'm going to tell the story again in in the C segment once we're on the way out, but... Pittsburgh just keeps calling to me. Before we get to the stories of Pittsburgh, I want to announce our three special musical guests. I'm very excited about this. We've me all, too. Yes. These are all Pittsburgh-based bands. Which oh, is why, very cool. Why I'm nice. excited. Uh, they've all given us permission to use their songs. The first band is Dolly Sods with their song Field Notes. From their album, I was born in the background of the best things of the past. Ooh. Yes. It's I a love that really title. great, really yeah. great album. Uh, the second break, we're going to have an excerpt of the song 1876 by Steel City Ruins. Their album One came out this year. And the song we'll be going out on tonight instead of our intro or an outro music is Haunter by uh, the third band Soda Club. Nice. And I'm excited for all these. So I love the name of that middle band, Steel City Ruins. That's awesome. At, they yeah. are a fantastic band. That's cool. All right. So we're going to take a little break and we come back. The Haunting of Pittsburgh.
Welcome back. As we said before the break on this episode, we're going to be talking about the hauntings of Pittsburgh. And now, did you know anything about Pittsburgh before we came into this? Uh, steel country. Right. Well, fair enough. Yeah. That's well. Pittsburgh steel. Pittsburgh Steelers. So we're still one. So one thing you knew steel. Steel. Okay. It's fair enough that the place is known for steel. Yeah. I know that uh, during World War II. The mills work 24 hours a day. They provide something like 95 million tons of steel for the oh, war effort. Jeez. And I think in World War One, just Pittsburgh supplied roughly half of the steel used by the American war effort wow. in the First World War. So, I mean, there's a good reason yeah. that's what we that we think of steel when we yeah. think of Pittsburgh. Yeah, definitely. Uh, something else I didn't realize is that Pittsburgh is at the confluence of three rivers. Oh. The Allegheny, the Ohio, and I think it's the Monongahela. Okay. Mon- Monong- I don't know. There's something like 400 bridges. That's crazy. In the greater Pittsburgh area. You know, Winnipeg has three rivers as well. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I, you know, I keep meaning to get out there. I just haven't done it. I, I, for some reason, I have it in my head because re- the, the motels in Revelstoke are ridiculously overpriced. Right. So my assumption was that all motels in Canada oh, God, are similarly no. overpriced. Oh, my God, no. So I th- whenever I think about road trips, I think about the States because you've got Motel yeah. 6. You yeah. can get a place for, you know, in a pinch, 70 bucks. Yeah. Uh, so I assumed that was it was would cost more to travel across Canada. No, nope. but obviously that's not the case. No, so. it's just because you went from Revelstoke to living in tourist town Victoria. That's yeah. <laughs> so I have an inflated idea of what things cost. That, that sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, one thing that um, actually something I think Pittsburgh and Victoria have in common. Speaking of Victoria, is that Pittsburgh was recently named America's most livable city. Okay. Which I think is a horrible thing. <laughs> because the second you're named the most livable city, it's like sounding the, the dinner bell for property developers. Yes. And every asshole with extra money comes and starts fucking things up. Yeah, And I then the price of everything goes up and it becomes goes from most livable city to most livable city if you're a rich dick. Yeah. You know, just like Vancouver. <laughs> I mean, how many times has Vancouver been called the most livable city? Yeah. And yeah. I was looking at uh, even going over next month for a concert. And even the dump that I stay in on East Hastings is two hundred bucks a night. <gasps> what? And this is this place is a stinkhole. There's no AC. The hookers. It's it's in literally in the worst neighborhood in the city. Why are you staying there? Because it's relatively inexpensive. So that is one bummer for Pittsburgh. Yeah, that definitely. It's the most livable city, but because uh, now it's ruined. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Now they know. Now the yuppies are coming. <laughs> They're coming, Pittsburgh. <laughs> when I was doing my research for the city, I found some food options. Because, uh, of course, you and I love food. Like what? Uh, well, there's this one place, and I th- it's called, I think, Beto's. It's B-E-T-O. I don't know if it's Beto's or Beto's. Okay. It's a mostly raw slice. No. So it's it's hot crust, right. hot sauce, right. and then cold cheese, and all the toppings are on That's top of that. That's disgusting. Now, you know, that was my first thought. But then I found myself thinking... Maybe not. Maybe maybe this can work. No, because the whole point is that melty, delicious, browned cheese. That's the only reason you eat pizzas for the cheese. Yeah, but I don't know. I just feel like it might it might work. Whatever. Go eat a salad. <laughs> you want raw? Go eat a fucking salad. There's this other place. Uh, it was called the Pramanti Brothers, okay. and they do these sandwiches. And um, it's f- Italian bread, and then it's got meat, cheese, tomatoes, coleslaw, and now I'm not crazy about this part, French fries <laughs> stuffed inside, and it's served on a sheet of wax paper. It sounds a bit like a chip buddy in England. A little bit. They just put French fries in it. A little bit, yeah. But yeah. I, and now I, I love, well, I love Italian bread, and yeah. I love deli sandwiches, but uh, the French fries thing, I'm not sure. 
I don't know. I think it could be kind of amazing. Maybe. I don't know. I, I've, I've been in places where they have the California burrito. Right. Which is like fat white guy burrito where they just stuff everything, including French fries inside. Uh, and it's... No, no. No. French fries are... They're barely food. They're barely food. They're meant to be eaten singly or, you know, maybe in like a handful. Right. But I just feel like... Incorporating this, them into other foods. mass of them. It, just have a goddamn potato. Why yeah, are you doing this? No, that's true. Shredded hash browns. I yeah. don't understand. Ooh, I love shredded hash browns. Oh, they're so good. Oh, Anyway, moving on. Anyway. But there, uh, so there was I think, two other places. Bacon on bacon night. Yes. That's at the Shiloh Grill. <laughs> and apparently Tuesdays, all you can eat bacon. You get a basket for a dollar. That would kill me. Yes. I would be dead. Well, I, I when I was in Chicago back in 08, I stayed with this guy named Brandon. And he told me there was a bar. Brandon and Brennan were hanging out. It's true. Brandon and Brennan. Bra- oh, smart Jesus. ass. But anyways, uh, so I was in Chicago, and he told me that there's this place that did, uh, I think it was 10 bucks. Right. But it was unlimited bacon. <laughs> and so he, when he found this out, he said to his friend, he said, well, I can eat infinity bacon. His friend said, no, that's, that's not a thing that humans can do. And he's like, no, 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 no I can eat infinity bacon. So he challenged him, and I think he ate, I want to say 90 pieces, something like that, wow. 95 pieces. But he said afterwards, he's never felt so... Thirsty, uh, you think in his life? Oh my God, I I did have an experience with wonderful bacon uh, in Calgary. Oh yeah, I found something that I thought only existed in Legends, a breakfast buffet for under twenty bucks. Really? Yeah. So uh, I took my friend there. We went to Schmitty's in Calgary. And all of the Schmitty's locations in Calgary have breakfast buffets. No kidding. With everything on it, like fruit and eggs benny and bacon and uh, three kinds of potatoes, pierogies. The worst part was uh, the second time I went, because, of course, I had to go twice. Of course. I took my mom, who's 74. And when they brought the bill. Oh, no. They gave us both the seniors discount. <laughs> and at first I'm like, God damn it. And then I'm like, no, nah, I'm good with this. You saved $2. I'll, I'll take that $2 discount. Screw that. Now, the only downside to that is. They thought me and my mom were together as a couple. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm fully aware. <laughs> I am fully oh, aware. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's, no, it was very uncomfortable. No, that's not okay. But I took away the pain with bacon. Well, that, there point. we go. Yeah. yeah. Give yourself yeah. another kind of bacon. Goat, or another kind of pain. Goat. Another kind of pain. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and the other one, I'm just going to mention because of the name, it, it's a Fathead Saloon, apparently. <laughs> it's called the Southside Slope Sandwich. It's filed under what they call the Head Witches on their menu because they are nearly the size of your head. That's not right. Char-grilled kielbasa, onions, cheese, horseradish sauce, and pierogies. Oh, I am semi-hard just talking about <laughs> there it. There is a place in town here called the Red Rooster. They did a grilled cheese pierogi sandwich. Oh, wow. It was amazing. There is, uh, well, Browns. Yeah. They used to have, I don't know if they still do, they had a burger that was, the bun was each side or each half was a grilled cheese sandwich <gasps> with the burger in between them. It was an experience. That sounds a little too much for me. It was pretty good. Uh, you know, but I only ever had the one because there's a limit. You know, <laughs> I'm going to die early already. I don't want to expedite that process too much. Jesus. The only uh, true indulgence where I just sort of no holds barred would be uh, Jack in the Box. Oh, that place is the worst. No, I love it. Really? I love it. That is the only fast food place in the world I have thrown away my meal. <gasps> really? I went to a Jack in the Box in Houston, Texas. Uh, we went to go check out the Rothko Chapel. That's why we we're in Houston. And then as we were leaving, driving out of town, we stopped at Jack in the Box. Oh, God. 
it was like sucking on Lot's wife. It That's was so graphic. It was the worst thing I have ever put in my mouth. Really? And I have made questionable decisions. Oh, in my I know life. you have. Yeah. yeah, no, 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 no. It was horrible. I mean, for it you was, to throw out food. Yeah, it was. It was true. <laughs> I think I ended up going to McDonald's for actual breakfast because wow. it was worse than McDonald's. So maybe, maybe I went to a bad one. You must have because I've only ever really gone to them in Washington State. Right. And they've all been good. Bizarre. Although I saw a guy come in. And he ordered, they had dollar tacos. He ordered 100. <gasps> yeah. And we're like standing there going, God, why is it taking so long for our order to come? Yeah. They were making $100 tacos. I hope he didn't eat all those. I don't know. Looking at him, I think he may have at least taken a run at it. Oh, sweet Jesus. Yeah. He got it to go, though, so we didn't have to witness his shame. So that was good. <laughs> it's, oh, he man. slinks back to his mom's basement. <laughs> That's right. Well, he won't be there for long <laughs> no. if he's eating 100 tacos in a no. shot. Well, they'll have to remove a wall to get him out. Well, that's it. And then his spirit will be left behind, <laughs> which leads us to... Excellent. And we did a little bit of uh, digging through Pittsburgh. We found sort of, in addition to the first-person stories, which we're going to present in a bit, we found a number of sort of relatively well known locations. Locally. Local, yeah, yeah, in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, and the most famous one, now I'm probably going to get this wrong, It's I think it's Congolier House. Okay. Could be Congolier, I don't know. I, I don't really I care. I don't think in Pittsburgh they're big on the whole French accent. Yeah, that's why I feared Congolier. It's, of course, said to be the most haunted house in America, you know. Aren't they all? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the website American Hauntings, which I'll link in the show notes, they broke down the details of the house's you know horrific past. And it includes uh, like a murderous wife, a doctor experimenting with severed heads. Oh come and, on! Yeah, I know, right? It's it's like the checklist of every yeah. bullshit haunting. Yeah. Is there uh, like a murderous spouse? Yes. Is a murdered a, child. Yep. An yeah. evil doctor. Yeah. Okay. But uh, whoever runs American Hauntings did a deep dive into the historical record and wrote a massive debunking article it was good oh it's great it's, awesome. it's i mean if you want to truly believe in haunted houses this will literally slap you stupid <laughs> but i think it's good i mean we've talked about this before if it's bullshit you got to call it because absolutely. there are things out there that are real absolutely and we don't need nonsense no and uh, while we're on the subject of specious nonsense uh, luke found the case of the haunted police station outside homestead cool. pennsylvania and that's about seven miles southeast of downtown pittsburgh Basically, the, the story of this one is back in April 08, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette reported that the Homestead Chief of Police had brought in a paranormal investigation team to conduct an investigation in the station. Wow. Yeah. And the building is, uh, it used to be a post office. And prior to the investigation, employees had spent years bitching about uh, doors slamming, footsteps when no one's around. Right. An electric typewriter turned itself on and started to type during a meeting. Okay, that would be upsetting. Yes, and a broken sidewalk cleaner turned itself on without a key in the ignition. Wow. Yeah. So um, the sidewalk cleaner thing happened in February 08, and that was a, <laughs> apparently the last straw. I don't blame him. So the chief, I think Jeffrey DeSimone is his name, or was his name, I don't know if he's still there. He'd never experienced any of these things himself, but he thought, fine, we'll bring someone in. Yeah. And he brought in the Greater Pittsburgh Paranormal Society to see what they could find. They did about 24 hours of video surveillance and 100 hours of audio surveillance. Holy. And they found a recording from the basement that sounded like a scream. Okay. A recording from the attic that sounds like a door slamming, followed by a voice saying, Hey Sam, and then another door slamming. A video clip showing a video camera cord, which had been taped to the ceiling of the basement, uh, just appeared to fly loose and kind of sway. Hmm. Another video clip of a shadow moving from right to left behind a window in an area that used to be for collecting traffic fines. Right. And the chief said that officers who used to use the entrance near there had reported feeling like someone was nearby. Oh, wow. 
a member of the Paranormal Society said that uh, her and another member heard a door open and footsteps, but of course no one turned up. Right. Uh, someone was tapped on the shoulder and had her hair pulled up. Apparently it's a kinky ghost. <laughs> so taking all that under consideration, the Paranormal Society, in their infinite wisdom, said it's a residual haunting. I mean, and none of that's particularly interesting. I don't, I think it's all bullshit. I mean, I think people may have had these experiences, but I don't give a good goddamn about someone pronouncing it one thing or another. But what makes it interesting is when you add that the mayor at the time, Betty Esper, who actually I think she's still the mayor of Homestead, so we should be careful what we say. Yeah. Um, she poked fun at the whole thing. She huh. was not into it. She, at the press conference they held where they announced the results, I guess there's not a lot going on there, uh, she cracked a joke about the street cleaner that supposedly turned itself on. And she said, well, we have cleanup next week. I wish you could get that damn mower working again. <laughs> so two years later, there was another press conference uh, in the same, it was by now the former police station. It was because members of the hauntings research group claimed to have a message from the mayor's recently deceased dog, Susie. <laughs> yes. And please tell me what was the... Uh... Oh, it's a, it, this is where it gets good. The researchers investigated the building using metal dowsing rods. <laughs> employing a technique they'd picked up from literally a haunted Vegas tour <laughs> while they were on vacation. So, Solid scientific evidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they attempted to contact various past mayors of Homestead using names taken from the portraits on the walls. And then once they were done, they asked if Susie was there. And of course the rods, you know, crossed. And Betty just teamed or teared right up apparently. Aww. Which exactly, that, and, and that's, uh, that, that pisses me off. Mm -hmm. This, uh, this kind of hucksterism really pisses me yeah. off. Yeah, it's like taking advantage of people. Yeah. So they moved over to the new city hall to see if any of the old mayors had come along to the new location. Because apparently they were, like, that's the thing that defined them. <laughs> Being a mayor. <laughs> oh, I better go sit in city better hall. Better go sit in city hall and wait for Homestead, Pennsylvania, wait for these assholes to make sure they get it right. Oh, my Lord. So they, they asked if the mayors had come along. And of course, shocker, the rods turned. So one of the reporters asked to hold the rods, asked the same questions. And, oh, nothing happened. Shock. <laughs> so the investigator said it didn't work because the reporter didn't believe enough. <laughs> oh, those old uh, revival tent meetings. So you're not healed because you don't have enough faith. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the, then the reporter cracked that uh, maybe the deceased mayor didn't like reporters and the rod spun. Oh, my God. And they're God. like, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. So Yuri Geller and these guys, apparently. Wow. Right? Wow. Can you imagine? I mean, no. what bald faced bullshittery. Oh, uh, no, the spirits just don't like you today. <laughs> oh, better, better hand me back the rods. The spirits are angry. Yeah. It, it reminds me of, I think it, I've talked about this on the show before, that ghost hunt I did in Chicago. Right, yes. Where I just said, uh, it, the, the ghost is like 300 years old or 400 years old. I said, so aren't we talking about Plains Indians at this point? I said, well, how do they even speak English? Do they know the language? We're trying to get them to cross the rods under certain numbers or letters. Do they have any concept of this? And Do they're like, shut up, sir. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. Do you become polyglot when you die? Yeah. You speak all the languages? <laughs> what about new languages? Can you code after you die? Is that what, you know? <laughs> These are the hard questions no one's answering. So in instead of bullshit stories like this, we've actually got two restaurants and then some personal stories. We start on the south side of Pittsburgh at the former Gypsy Cafe. The Gypsy, which is unfortunately now closed, was housed in the basement of a building which was once the first United Presbyterian Church, built in 1854. The Gypsy was opened in 2004 by Melanie and Chef Jim, and from the story Luke found, it kind of seems like kismet drew them to the place. I'll explain. 
Melanie had gone to college in Pittsburgh years before, and at some point during that time, her wallet was stolen. She lost her driver's license, student ID, credit cards, everything. She replaced everything as you do and went on with her life. In 2004, Melanie and Jim were cleaning up the dumpster next to where they were opening the Gypsy Cafe. And you know what they found? Her wallet. Complete with her old driver's license, student ID, and credit cards. It looks like she was meant to be there all along. And you know what's funny about that is that happened to me and Nick once. Really? Yeah, we, this was years ago. We were visiting family in Revelstoke. Yeah. She thought she misplaced her wallet. Right. She, dro- she figured she dropped it somewhere. Right. And we didn't realize this until we got home. So, oh, no. Yes. So I called Visa right, or, or MasterCard right away and said, you know, my wife has lost her wallet. We need to put a stop payment on the card. And they said, well, someone did use it like a parking machine. It's like a dollar something. And I said, okay, well, that wasn't us because I didn't use it. So we need you to stop payment. And she had to go through the process of ordering all new stuff. Yeah, just it's, a real. It's expensive it is. and a huge pain in the ass. And I mean, she, she was a permanent resident at this time, so right. had to get a new PR card. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Three weeks later, my aunt is at her, at her house. She reaches her her hand into a jacket in the closet. There's Nick's wallet in the pocket. What? Yeah, I called the bank. I said, "How do you explain this discrepancy?" They had nothing, no idea. Because the, the the bank or the card, everything had been in my aunt's closet the whole time. How did it get into that jacket? No idea. Just there it was. See, that's a weird ghosty thing. Because yeah. I've had that experience where I'll put something down yep. and I'm staying in a weird location. And then it will show up somewhere that I have. One time I had something show up in a room I hadn't even been in. Really? Yeah. And the lady who owned the house was like, yeah, sorry, this happens sometimes. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, there's a house back in Revelstoke like that. I, I wrote about it in my book, A Strange Little Place, available everywhere fine books <laughs> You wrote sold. a book? I did. Wow. Um, you wouldn't know it the way it's sold. But <laughs> anyways, uh, but yeah, there's a house, I think it was called, um, it doesn't matter, I can't remember the name of it, but it's on, I think, 9th Street. Right. And same thing, uh, going back as far as the 70s. Really? Would, this guy's friends would come over for, to, with a record to listen to it. It would go missing, turn up a couple days later. Wow. And it just became part of the house. They just got used to it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So That's cool. Yeah. So anyways, uh, the story, continue the story of the Gypsy Cafe. The first indi- indication that the location might be haunted came when they started renovations. <laughs> Doesn't it always? <laughs> Jim and a friend accidentally soaked the carpet with water while moving the ice machine downstairs from the second floor. And when Melanie went to soak up the mess, she saw from the corner of her eye a small boy standing there. She saw him twice. Describing the boys around six or seven years old with blonde hair, dressed in blue short pants, a jacket, and a cap. At the same time, Melanie says the name Nick just popped into her head. A few weeks later, Melanie was approached by a woman who used to work at the cafe, which occupied the church basement before Gypsy. This woman asked if Melanie and Jim had, quote, seen the ghost yet, unquote, and Melanie cautiously admitted to seeing something but did not elaborate. The woman explained that people used to see at the bottom of the stairs a little blonde-haired boy, and they all called him Nick. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Another time, Melanie noticed that a couple who were regulars of the gypsy weren't sitting at their usual table, which sat empty. When she asked them why they moved, they said because there was a woman in gray sitting at it drinking tea. But Melanie saw nothing. Over the period while the gypsy was open, they periodically held seances, and at one of them, Three participants claimed to have seen the woman in gray sitting at that table. Huh. That's cool. It is, yeah. And I love those stories where other people give you details you already know, but there's no way they would have known that. Yeah, 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 I definitely. I love that. I wonder, too, because, again, it's closed now, uh, the cafe. 
And I wonder if it's one of those places where businesses just don't stick. Yeah. You know, uh, on there used to be this restaurant on the road between, uh, on the Mara Lake Road okay. in the interior, Highway 97B, I think it is. And I remember going there with my grandparents once when I was a little kid. It was like a log cabin looking place. Right. And it, food was pretty good, but it never, ever stayed the same thing. Really? It constantly closed open with new owners yeah. and they couldn't make a go yeah. of it and I just wonder if it's sometimes you get places like that where things that open there can't thrive but what is it that keeps throwing people to open businesses there well I wonder if it's because it's the location yeah you know or it's a good deal yeah you know, I mean that yeah. the place I was talking about it's right on the lake right so you can imagine why people would think oh this is perfect yeah you get a lot of traffic a lot of holiday people but and no. it just never stays hmm. and I always wonder about that if it's just something which kind of yeah draws you there because you think oh this this should work and then it just sucks the life out of the business exactly interesting i mean honestly this our old building was like that yeah no building that no business that stayed there could succeed wow and i shouldn't say no but it, it was very difficult yeah there was a handful of businesses that that managed to carve out a living right but even the consulting company i used to work for once we got them out of there they Weird. they've done very well it's Isn't that interesting? Yeah, and even us. I mean, yeah. ever since we've left, yeah. the show has gone, That's it's true. grown so much. That's true. So yeah. uh, there's just some places wow. things don't grow well there. Mm -hmm. uh, the other haunted spot we're going to cover in uh, before we get to personal stories is Papa Jay's, and, uh, or where Papa Jay's used to be. Right. Uh, it's the, they had a couple locations. Uh, one was in downtown and one was in Carnegie. Uh, the one in Carnegie burned down Mar in March this year, actually. Oh, no. Yeah. The downtown location of Papa Jay's, which was an Italian restaurant, it closed a couple years ago. The building itself went up in 1860, and it was, in this order, a brothel, a boarding house, and a restaurant. Okay. Uh, according to the Haunted Pittsburgh website, there are tunnels underneath the building, which local politicians would use to get in and out of the brothel. Oh, I always hear this. I know. I, I hope it's true, though, just for the politicians in the whorehouse thing. <laughs> That's why I want it to be true. We did have that here in Victoria. With really? With the old location of the Union Club and a brothel built across the street. No. And for many years, there were rumors that there was a tunnel underneath. And, of course, they denied it repeatedly. And then when they were going to destroy the old Union Club and build the new one, uh, the night before it was to be destroyed... There was a really unusual amount of activity going on in the building. And when they pulled the building down, all these people gathered around because they wanted to see if there was a tunnel between the union and, and the brothel that was still there. And when they pulled the rest of the place apart and, and they got down to the basement, people could peer in and see that while there was no tunnel... There was certainly what appeared to be quite a freshly bricked up area <laughs> on the wall facing the street Subtle. in the basement. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, that's great. One customer of Papa Jay's apparently came back from a visit to the can and commented to a waitress that it was really unusual to have a towel woman in the <sighs> men's washroom. And uh, he said he was washing his hands and he'd seen this, you know, elderly woman standing there with a babushka, which is like a headscarf tied under her chin, holding a stack of towels. And the waitress said, yeah, no, we, we don't have someone working in the bathroom. Oh, my god! And a former waiter at Papa Jay's claims to have regularly seen a little girl walk through walls, which apparently disturbed him to the point he quit. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wimp. I know, right? <laughs> Come on. Uh, another waiter described seeing a little girl who would tip over food trays. And then late one night, a bartender was closing up, and he saw a little girl slowly walk past him on the other side of the bar. And I guess he, the story goes, he calmly finished up closing and never came no, back. No, that would freak out. I mean, I could see it if you're there alone a lot, 
that would make me uncomfortable as well. Oh, sure. But I think if you're working with other people and blah, 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 who cares? Yeah, well, I mean, speaking of alone, I mean, we're in a new location tonight. When we recorded the bonus episode last time in the old uh, studio, not not the old original studio, no. but the one we went into after that, uh, we were there from, I think we had the 10, 10 a, until 1 a.m. 10 to 1. And I left at midnight. You I left think? at midnight. So I closed, I was closed up because you had to work the yeah. next day. And the vibe changed. I mean, the vibe at 10 o'clock wasn't great. Well, remember, because we were like yelling at the lights. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, the, light the lights kept, kept flickering, flickering. And then we and said, please cut it out. And it stopped. It stopped, yeah. That was weird. Well, after you left, the per- there, it felt like there was a really strong presence in the far corner of the room. I could not wait to get out. Was it the kitchen corner? Yeah. 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 It was yeah. just hairy. I mean, it, it was there. It felt oppressive. It felt like I, uh, like I was unwelcome. Because you were in its time. I guess so, yeah. Yeah. So I uh, know this the place we're in now feels much better. Oh, we don't have that totally. to deal with. Yeah. It's a little more echoey, which I'm not crazy about. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Yeah, better that than the alternative. <laughs> it's also less hot. Oh. And there's one other thing that was kind of funny. It's food related, and you know why not? This is the this is the food show. Apparently, um, a woman who went there for lunch ordered the hamburger, which was on special. Yeah. And when she asked for cheese, the waitress got all shitty with her. And the waitress looked at her and said, "You know, this is an Italian restaurant, right?" All we have is mozzarella. Oh, come on. Is it Mama's special hamburger from the old country? <laughs> Give me a break. Come on. The perfect Italian hamburger, though. That, that reminded me briefly of this place uh, I went to. Oh, where was it? It's somewhere between Edmonton and Calgary. Red Deer? Rocky Mountain House? No, it's just on the highway. It's called the Burger Baron? There's a, it's a chain in Alberta. Is it a chain? Yeah, there were at least six or seven of them in small towns. Oh. It's, it's the restaurant <laughs> If McDonald's or Dairy Queen or A&W wouldn't go there, you'd find a burger baron. Right. Well, I, I, I met the owner yeah, at this okay. one. Yeah, he was this Portuguese guy. If you had told me he was in witness protection, I'd believe you. <laughs> he just seems so out of place. In he a, probably was. In a place called Burger Baron. Yeah. But uh, anyways, I, I had the Italian burger. And? Not good. No. No, no. The, the, what made it Italian? Uh, Fresh basil? Cheap marinara and mozzarella, which I could not eat. So just oh, cheap marinara. Gross. Yeah, not a good combo. No. Uh, from terrifying burgers, we're going to go to uh, terrifying first-person stories of the paranormal. And we found some really interesting stuff from Pittsburgh. I should say Luke found some interesting stuff. Cool. This first one is called The Blue Man. My house was built in 1905 as a combo general store slash home. As was common in those days, the main floor was the store, and the upstairs was housing for the store owner. Attached to the house was a storeroom used for dry goods. Under the storeroom were horse stalls for the delivery horses. Over the years, we have often heard footsteps and voices and smelled cigarette smoke. In fact, the smell of smoke can sometimes be so bad, it induces asthma attacks in my husband and son. We have also dealt with moving objects, just like we were talking about. Mm -hmm. You need your keys slash dog leash slash sunglasses, and you look where they belong. Then you look in all the usual places. Nothing. The next day you find the necessary object in plain sight on the coffee table. No one put it there. It just appeared. The basement of my house connects to the garage. It used to be an open area between the house and storeroom. Wagons were pulled into the space for loading. A large door on the side of the storeroom opened above the wagons, and dry goods were lowered into the bed. The far wall of the garage is the back wall of the old horse stalls, which have been since converted into four additional garages. In all, it has been 90 years since there have been horses in those stalls. Yet often, while doing laundry, I can smell horses. That very particular mixture of manure, hay, and animal. There have even been times when, very early in the morning, I have heard horses snort and stomp their hooves. This is a suburban area with no livestock anywhere. Wow. Finally, there is the man in blue. 
Our house is built on a hill, and when parked in the main garage, our car is angled to such a degree that getting an accurate read on the various fluids is difficult, so my husband parks across the street when he needs to do that kind of thing. One morning last week, while he was across the street checking the oil in my car, he walked back into the open garage to get oil. At the time, I was talking to a neighbor, and for no apparent reason, all the color drained from her face as she looked toward the garage. When she was able to talk, she told me a man in blue work clothes had walked out of the garage behind my husband. The man turned right and proceeded up the sidewalk towards my front door. Then he vanished. Yikes. This wasn't my first experience with this man, so my neighbor was much more surprised than I was. This man always comes out of the garage right behind someone, then turns and walks towards the front door, where the main door used to be. Wow. And I, thinking about that, you know, I I wonder if it's a case of... I don't... Because I don't think it's a ghost. I, I mean, I, more and more, I think this is sort of a... Uh, a, a catch-all memory loop. Yeah, or or a, a place where maybe so, there's some kind of breakdown mm-hmm. in in the way time works, mm-hmm. and you're just seeing there's it's like an echo yeah, or a residual. Not, I mean, a residual. I don't know. Residual, I think, has the wrong implication to me because I feel like residual kind of implies that it's somehow you know like X happened and so it just keeps going until the energy expires. I feel like it's too ghosty. This is right. more of a, I don't know, I feel like, maybe scientific is the wrong word, but just more of a, something that gets tripped when you're near it. Right. You know, not a ghost exactly, but like a... Like a memory loop. Yeah, I guess we're talking about the same thing, yeah, just using are. different terms. Different words. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I mean, the fact that the smells endured is so interesting. Yeah, smell is a big one. Yeah, I guess so, because yeah. we've talked about places where they've got like... Uh, the smell of baking is pretty common. Yeah. So, you know, this or is... Or someone's a, perfume or... Of course, yeah. Or, or the cigarette smoke. Yeah. My name is Lori, and I run a small cleaning service in the Pittsburgh area with my employees, Marie and CJ. Before I say anything else, I would like all of you non-believers in the paranormal to chill out. I don't go around looking for ghosts. In the past, if I saw something or heard a misplaced noise, I would pass it off as whatever. But now, I'm paying more attention. In June of 2008, I got my first customer in a very nice neighborhood that had managed to avoid the real estate crash. One house was owned by a couple who had two dogs, and the other by a family with three little girls. At first, everything was great, and when we first started cleaning these homes, all three of us would go together. The house with the family was 5,000 square feet, so we would work our way through all three levels as a group. The first odd thing that I noticed and shrugged off is that we would all feel like someone was home and call out for several moments before realizing the house was empty. Another odd thing was the door we entered through would sometimes, but not always, close on us. Then it would lock. This happened often enough that I started keeping keys on me at all times. Then the little weird stuff started. A roll of paper towels spread across the grand foyer. Cleaning rags tossed down the steps. Six months into cleaning, the real fun starts. The customer ordered some additional cleaning service, but only the main floor and the master bath. Marie declined the extra work, so I decided to do it myself. The first time I went alone, the feeling that someone else was there was overwhelming, but I made it through the whole main floor without hearing anything unusual. Then I went upstairs to tackle the master bath, and the moment my foot hit the top step, I heard a door slam somewhere in the house. I called out once again, Hello? Is someone home? No one was. I proceeded down the hallway lugging two sweepers, a bucket, and a bag full of supplies, and a rubber ball rolls past me into the master bedroom. 
This raises questions. <laughs> yes, to say the least. But whatever. I ignored it and cleaned the bathroom, which took about an hour. Afterward, I was gathering all my stuff when I heard a crowd of voices coming from the foyer downstairs. Once again, I called out and I got no answer. So I thought maybe the client had company coming over and I decided to get out quickly and quietly. Once downstairs, I saw there was no one else in the house at all. Got all the way down there with all my stuff. No one was there. Following this weeks went by and I just about convinced myself it was all in my imagination. And then I saw him. Back cleaning the house, I once again got to the top step, and for some reason this day, I looked down the long hallway and could not make my legs move. I was frozen with dread. It took me a while, but I said to myself, get your butt moving and clean the bathroom, and I did. After completing my task, I gathered my supplies, walked into the master bedroom, kicking something as I did. I looked down to see what I'd almost tripped over, and it was that rubber ball again. I said out loud, now where did this come from? And felt a crack of static electricity. When I looked up, there was a man standing there and I said, oh, you're home. Before I could even finish saying the words, the man disappeared before my eyes. Every hair on the back of my neck was sticking straight out and I was covered in chills and sweat. I did what any reasonable woman would do. I grabbed my shit and ran. Yep, that is yep. a wholly acceptable thing to be doing at 100%, that point. hundred percent, especially with all the other stuff going on before. It's, it's just crazy. This is really typical because hauntings seem to build. Like, you'll hear stories of people, oh, we moved into the house and it felt a little odd, but everything was fine. Right. And then a week later, this happened. And then a week later, this happened. And it just seems to get worse and worse. Now, why do you think that is? Do you think it's sort of absorbing energy from the people or do you think it's something else? I think it's a combination. I think it's absorbing the energy from the people. I think it's getting used to them and knowing how to present themselves in the most noticeable and energy efficient way. Um, oh, okay. And, yeah, right? Like, so you think like they calculate to produce a certain result? Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. Absolutely. And then I think it happens more and more because not only are you more aware of it, making it easier, they just keep upping their game right. until they reach some sort of crisis point. Fascinating. Especially if they don't want you there. Yeah, no, true enough. Big time. It reminds me of the story my friend told me about Langford. They were cleaning out there and... Uh, yes. Yeah, they just happened to be... They had their headphones in. They were yeah. thought that the house was empty. They stood up and all of a sudden, boom, there's someone behind them, a woman. And they thought, oh, shit. So they turn around and say hi. The person was gone. Yeah. And then in the distance was this sort of like opaque glass shape of a person and it just faded. Yeah. And then uh, the husband mentioned seeing a woman in the house from outside because he thought my friend was already in there cleaning. Yeah. It's just... How do you not put that together? Like, as the homeowner? I wonder if you choose not to. I suppose. And some people genuinely are just not sensitive to that stuff at all. Yeah, that's true, too. Um, I mean... But if if I saw someone in my house, and I thought, oh, someone's in there, and then I went in there, and they're not in there, I'm going to think about that. I'm not going to write that off. Uh, I think you can. I think you can be like, oh, it's the reflection off the car glass, or it was uh, yeah, fair light enough. through the trees and yep. the leaves. And I think there's a hundred ways to explain that stuff. But if you're aware of it and you know it, you can be like, mm-hmm, all right then. Right. And then just go on with it. Because I, I do believe it changes depending on the time. Because if a house is used to having time on its own, Say, if everybody works or is at school and the house is empty during the day. Right. And then all of a sudden someone is in that space, it's going to throw off whatever energy is in there. Sure. I and mean, they may resent it. Well, remember when I got back from uh, Minnesota 
Yeah. That country house we stayed in. Yeah. Past, the, the one time I stayed up past midnight downstairs, I felt unwelcome. Absolutely. It was like something was saying, get the hell out. This is this my is time my now. time. And I, I have that in my book, Victoria's Most Haunted. About the young building, that after right. a certain time at night, that building is theirs. It's right. It's not for living people. And they make sure you know that. We'll call this story The Little Girl. When I was nine years old, my mom, sisters, and I moved from West Virginia to Pennsylvania, where we lived with my uncle and cousins. Because of various circumstances, my mom and sisters went first, then I joined them a year later. When I first arrived at my uncle's house, I was greeted by all my family members and then taken to my room. I would like to note the room is on the second floor, down the hall from the top of the stairs. As I was unpacking, my sister said, you get to share the room with the little girl. I thought nothing about it as I thought she was talking about my four-year-old cousin. As the day started to end, my 17-year-old cousin had just arrived from his job. That's when I found out it was actually him who I'd be sharing the room with, but I still paid no mind to the comment my sister made earlier. It was a month later when I finally understood what she meant. One time, while my cousin and I were relaxing in our room playing some Xbox, I happened to look over and see a peculiar look on his face. I asked him what was wrong, and he replied, Did anybody ever tell you what happened in this house? No, I replied. What happened? Oh, no. These never end well. No. It's never like, oh, we saved a kitten. And that, then, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we made a chocolate fountain. We, no, no. We, Lord Mountbatten lost his virginity here. <laughs> he begins to tell me about how his dad was able to buy the house for just about close to nothing. The previous owners were a young couple with a daughter, and the father was an angry drunk who would often assault his wife. One day he went too far and beat his wife to death. When he realized what he had done, he took her body to the basement and hid it. His daughter was unaware of what had happened, so he brought her to the neighbor's house under the pretext that he needed them to babysit while he ran errands. When the man came back, he picked up his daughter from the neighbors and took her home. He knew he couldn't kill her the way he had her mother. He had sobered up by now. So instead, he waited until she was in her room asleep, and he quietly installed multiple locks on the door. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know how you do that quietly, but no. it's not particularly handy. He eventually went back to the basement with a bottle of booze and a deadly amount of pills. The bodies of all three were not found until roughly three to four months afterwards, and it was determined the mother died from blunt force trauma, the father from an overdose, and the girl from starvation and dehydration. After learning all of this, I immediately became uneasy and understood the comment my cousin made about how, before I came, he would leave a light on in his room, day or night. Months went by and I had no reason to believe the house was actually haunted, whether because of what happened or any other reason. That is until one night when there were only three of us around. Dun dun dun. Yes. The rest of my family decided to go to the first high school football game of the year, and I chose to stay home with my aunt and uncle, who had a room on the third floor. At about 7 p.m., my aunt and uncle decided to call it a night and went upstairs. I stayed in the living room to watch television alone, and that's when it started to happen. The basement door was located in the dining room, right next to the living room, and I had full view of the door as I sat on the couch. All of a sudden, the door starts to open very slightly, then gently closes. Nope. I knew the basement door didn't close all the way under the best circumstances, so I assumed it was wind. The living room was dark. Like I said, I didn't really think it was haunted, and so I, I left the lights off. Five minutes later, it was hard not to notice the sliver of light peeking out from under the basement door. Nope. Somehow the basement light had come on. I was too scared to move, and since the only way out meant going past the basement door, there wasn't really anywhere to go. Finally, I forced myself to jump up, turn on all the lights, and put a chair in front of the basement door. That door firmly shut, I ran upstairs, but heard another noise as I got to the top of the stairs. Down the hall, the light to my room suddenly turned on, and the door closed itself. Immediately, I started to run back downstairs, but then I heard the door open again, and I thought about my cousin. Maybe he hadn't gone to the football game after all. 
I was so panicked and hoping to see my cousin that I went back upstairs. The light was still on and the bedroom door was hanging open. When I called his name from the top of the stairs, the doorknob started making a noise, like it had been turned all the way in one direction and let go. That broke me. I ran downstairs and as I did, heard the door slam. It slammed so hard it woke my aunt and uncle, who a few minutes later came downstairs to find me crying on the porch. When I told them what happened, they confirmed the story my cousin had told me. Which is awesome. Are you traumatized? It's all true. It's all true. It's like the, Everything you saw was real. It's like the polar opposite of the Han Solo speech from Force Awakens. Like the Force, <laughs> all this wonderful stuff. It's true. The murder, all this shitty stuff. It's true. It's true. You should be scared. You should 100%. Yeah. Good night, little girl. <laughs> the man who sold my uncle the house gave him the newspaper articles before he bought it. And my uncle kept them. That was my last experience in the house, but to this day, I still have chills replaying the sound of the door slamming in my mm -hmm. head. And I think I've finally come up with a reason for it. I believe the reason the light turned on and the door closed when I first went upstairs is because the little girl wanted me to think my cousin was in the room. Maybe she wanted me to think nothing was wrong. She then reopened the door to maybe imply she indeed wanted me to come in. When I didn't, she slammed the door in anger and sadness. I feel so bad for what happened to her, and I think she was just trying to communicate. Yeah, no, that's a good theory. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's it goes, you know, it's it nicely. Lonely. Yeah, and it nicely sort of subverts all the usual ghosts or terrifying nonsense. Well, and it makes sense um, because the house was pretty much empty, and it sounds like it was a pretty full house most of the time. Yeah. So maybe the little girl did get lonely for someone to come and hang out with her. I don't know, though. I, I Even if I knew, it would t be tough for me to sort of sit in a place like, or, or sh I shouldn't say, I've been in places where there are something yeah. hanging around. Yeah. Yeah. And I, as long as they're benign i can deal with it yeah if they're cool i'm cool but if in that situation where the doors are opening and closing and lights are on and off and i'm terrified i just don't think i could force myself to go into that room no. and hang out no i, I just yeah I, I imagine the the cold fright closing around my heart oh yeah no. and everything stopping and i shit myself no i couldn't do it and this next story it's much worse oh excellent thanks for leaving it for me my parents live in a very large apartment complex in pittsburgh's south hills area the apartment has been there since the 60s and has long been rumored to be haunted. Over the years, I've heard many stories from longtime tenants about heavy footfalls in the halls, strange laughter, things moving around on their own, and all other types of sordid events. My own story occurred in the summer of 2002 while I was staying with my parents temporarily while waiting to return to New York City for a new job. I'd just come back from a late night out with friends, and no drinking was involved, and was walking down the hall to my parents' apartment. My parents live at the end of a very long hall, literally almost half the length of a football field. During my walk, I kept getting the overwhelming feeling that someone was watching me. Now, I've had that feeling before, and it usually goes away as soon as I close the door to my parents' place, but this night it didn't. I initially ignored it, got a shower, went to bed, closing my bedroom door behind me. Out of nowhere, I snapped awake in a cold sweat, terrified, my heart racing, I had no idea why until I heard the breathing. I was beneath my covers and the breathing was coming from above the covers, inches away from my face, like something was watching me from right above my blanket. I was frozen beneath my covers, eyes wide open, more frightened than I've ever been. Now I'm a pretty tough guy, I've been a fighter for years. I'm well versed in two martial arts styles and yet I could only lay there, debilitated by fear waiting for whatever was in my room to go away. I could actually hear it moving around my room, hitting cologne bottles on my dresser, knocking off hats I'd hung on the wall, and moving back and forth past my beaded curtain, making it gently rattle. 
It felt like hours passed. Finally, I had the courage to reach out from my covers and grab the remote to the television. I clicked it on and lay there, still too scared to take my head out from beneath the covers. After a while, I gingerly pulled the covers down and looked towards my door. It was ajar, and I saw a large, perfectly symmetrical black ball moving slowly out of the room. It wasn't like one of the small orbs that people see. It took up a fully one-third of the doorframe. Somehow, it saw that I was watching and it paused. It had no discernible features, but I felt like it was smiling at me, warning me it would be back. It sat there for a few seconds, hovering by the door before slowly exiting the room. After it left, the tension in my room was gone and somehow I drifted off to sleep. The next morning, just to be sure, I asked my parents if they happened to be in my room the night before. Neither of them were, and I have since moved out. I visit my parents often, but any time I'm alone in their place, I get the feeling that something there either doesn't want me there or just plain doesn't like me. My parents continue to experience odd events in their place occasionally, but they refuse to move, saying that as long as it doesn't hurt them, they have no reason to go. They obviously never went through what I did there. That night scared me. It's been 10 years, and to this day, I can't sleep without the television on. Holy shit, that is a strong... That's a, that, that's an experience. That, that fucked with this person. Yeah. And I love that it was the most terrifying thing they'd ever gone through, and they went to sleep right afterwards. Yeah, well... Which is a common theme, absolutely. and I've done it myself. I totally sure. get it. And I feel like it's something that a lot of cynics and critics and skeptics used to debunk this kind of stuff. Right. Or you went back to sleep. But it's almost like you overload. Yeah, and there's nothing else you can do. No. You just shut down. Yeah. No, I totally no, get it's, it. No, it's, uh, I, I say I've experienced it myself. And I know what they mean about uh, the feelings in apartment buildings or uh, hotels, same kind of thing. You get a place where there's lots of people living their lives and dying and all the rest of it. It makes sense there's some energy left over. Well, I tell you, man, while you were gone, I, I was looking after your place, feeding, uh, feeding your fish and yeah. watering your plants. I didn't like being in your place. Really? Whatever was in there was not comfortable with me there. Now, in the place or in, like, in the building or in the actual condo? Both. I would see these black flashes out of the corner of my eye and just felt unwelcome. Now, that's interesting because the first couple weeks I lived there, I felt uneasy. But then something changed where whatever it was was like, oh, okay, you're here. Well, and that's, and that's fine. And I started declaring myself. I felt like a loon. Right. I would walk in and say, hey, it's me. I'm just here to water the plants and feed the fish. Yeah. I'll be out of your hair in a few minutes. Yeah. But there was one time where I gave myself a good scare. Really? So I walked in the door and declared myself, but I felt it was strong. Whatever yeah. it was, was very powerful. And uh, I saw the flashes. And I th they were really big. Like I expected to see something there. And I had to go use the can right so i walked to the right and i saw a flash and then of course there's a mirror right there yeah i had forgotten there was a mirror there oh no so i see the flash and then of course i see movement to my right and it's you and it's a person and i <laughs> i actually jumped and screamed not my proudest moment i don't know why i'm telling you this story That's but i awesome. nearly pissed myself oh no um but yeah and then of course there's a common room yeah which was horrifying yeah it's funny, actually. Uh, one time I went there with Nick, uh, the first time I went there with her, I got out of the car, walked to the door, and I realized she walked, she took a different route to the door. Mm -hmm. And I looked at her and I thought, why haven't I been taking that route? Because the route she took to the door was way closer and took way less time than me right. going all the way around back. 
because I would walk behind my car. Oh. The whole time I could have walked close to the building. And then I actually paid attention and I realized something was radiating right. from the common room at the front of the building. And I had been choosing the path of least resistance without even knowing it. Interesting. I've only ever been in that room twice to get mail. Like, I feel like I'm intruding. Yeah, that's what it felt yeah. like. It yeah. felt like I was intruding in yeah. someone's space. Yeah. So, no, I, I apartment buildings are very much that way. They can be fraught with peril. Yours is most definitely fraught. I don't know <laughs> if peril, but it's fraught with something. All right, so this one I've called crawling. Four months before I entered college in Pittsburgh, my very first love had left me. We were going to enter college at the same time so we could be together. Oh, Yeah. Dreams of mine were crushed, but college and new friends helped me get through. I moved into the bigger dorm and became instant friends with my roommates. A month later, I met my now current boyfriend, and he and I hit it off pretty well. One night, he was down in my room and we were up late, just getting to know each other more. He left to get ready for bed. He was going to come and cuddle with me that night. And after I took him to the door and shut off the kitchen light, I turned around and saw what looked like a pair of red eyes next to my bedroom door. I figured it was a car passing by the window, and it just reflected off of something since I was on the third floor. I put it behind my back and went into my room, being extra quiet for my roommates. I get this really heavy feeling just pressing up against my back and shoulders. I figured it was imagination and pushed it aside. As I got to my bed, taking my necklace off, I got the feeling again. Pushing it aside again, thinking it was my imagination, I jump into bed and wait for my boyfriend to come back. I got comfortable and got this unexplained heat at the back of my neck. In my room, it was freezing all the time, year-around. The heater hated to work in that room. All of a sudden, I get this vision that this thing is reaching for me from behind. It was vivid, and I've never experienced anything that powerful going through my head. I felt like it was tall and lanky, had big black eyes, and this sinister smile on its face. With the hand that reached out for me, the pinky was longer than the other fingers. I jumped, looked behind me, and there was nothing but that heaviness. Breathing heavy, I stayed up and stared into the darkness next to the door, hoping my boyfriend would come. And he did, not too long after. I told him what happened. He held me tight and apologized. He then told me about this nightmare that he, his mother, and grandfather had had. It had the same demon, just smaller, crawling up on him, telling him it would never allow him to be happy. Yikes. Yeah. Wow. Another instance was when I could feel it right on top of me. The heaviness and that awful heat. I told my boyfriend to get it off of me, and he did. He told us to leave us alone and that we weren't afraid of it. And after that, I never felt or saw it again. My roommates, however, had bad experiences with it in another form. I'm unsure if this is because I can feel energies. Maybe. Maybe I'm sensitive. Interesting. And we talked in the last episode about generational haunting. Yeah. And things following people. And yeah. I, I actually had an experience like this. Really? I used to have, and I, I've, I've talked about this a little bit on the show. I used to have these recurring nightmares when I, because I'm very certain that the basement of my mother's house was haunted. Right. Uh, because there is a story, well, the breathing. Right. I experienced that. Right. I was sleeping in the basement when I heard the door open. I heard footsteps. I heard breathing above me. Yikes. Then I heard the same in reverse. Yeah. It was just me, my mother, and my sister living in the house. Yeah. Neither of them had come downstairs that night. Wow. So I was certain there was something down there because we would leave the lights on, come down to find them off, vice versa. Right. And uh, I was always convinced there was something there. And so when I moved... I stopped having, it was like I used to have nightmares. When I moved finally into my own place when I was 18, I stopped having them. Wow. But then after a couple weeks, they came back. Right. And this thing in my dream said, I found you. Oh my gosh. You can't hide from me. And then I moved from the apartment into my house. A couple years later, same thing happened. And I remember the, one of the worst nightmares I've ever had was about, ah, would have been within the last six years. But I dreamt that I woke up in my bed 
it was in my it was it was our bedroom, but everything was spray painted, and the floors were concrete, and there was this low level metallic buzzing sound everywhere, and it was just the worst ver. It, it felt it had this really naked flat light. It felt right. very unpleasant. Right, and there was this creature there that looked kind of leathery. It had almost like a catcher's mitt kind of face. Yeah. And I remember it saying to me, this is the true world. No matter what you think, no matter where you go, no matter how you feel, this is where you will come back to. Wow. This is the only thing that is real. And I'm certain I've read in other people having a dream about this leather-faced thing. Hmm. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Weird. I, I don't wow. have any kind of explanation. I just thought it was sort of a yeah. fascinating similarity. No, that is. It's really cool. Uh, this next one is really cool. I love stories like this. I'd actually love to do a whole episode like this, but it's hard to find these stories. Okay. I'm a 30-year-old insurance adjuster who has both law enforcement and military experience. I've always believed in ghosts, and I've always had an interest in ghost stories, paranormal TV shows, etc. But until recently, can't say I've had a definitive experience. I was on my way to inspect an insurance claim in a big old Victorian house in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. As part of our protocol, we'll always call the homeowner when we're about a half hour away to make sure they remember the appointment, will be ready for us, or home, etc. I had the home phone number and the cell phone number of our insured for this claim and called the home phone first. A very strange sounding voice answered. I could not tell if this person was a child or a very old woman. It had this raspy, high-pitched, odd-sounding voice. Do a Google or YouTube search for Sophie Masloff, former mayor of Pittsburgh, and you'll hear exactly the type of voice I'm referring to. There was a lot of static, and it was just weird. Anyway, this voice on the other end sounded very confused and could barely hear me. We went back and forth with the hello, can you hear me? Barely, can you hear me? Hello? Etc. for about 30 seconds, trying to communicate until I gave up. I thought we might have a bad connection, so I hung up and called back. This time the call went to voicemail, which was your standard You've Reached 72433 robot voicemail. I called the cell phone I had on file and received that voicemail as well. When I arrived, there was nobody home. I knocked on the door several times, rang the doorbell, stood around for a few minutes, called both phones again and received voicemail and started walking back to the car. As I'm getting into my car, the homeowner shows up. The homeowner is a normal speaking woman in her mid-thirties. She apologizes that she missed my calls, told me she was in a hair appointment. I told her I'd spoken to someone at her house on the landline, but we had a hard time understanding each other. She got a very concerned look on her face and tells me, you must have called the wrong number because nobody else is home. So I look at my phone and recite back to her the number I called, which was in fact the correct number. So we go into her home and she looks at the caller ID on her landline. Sure enough, my call showed up on caller ID. There were two missed calls for the time when I called and received the voicemail, and there was one received call. At this point, the homeowner breaks down. She tells me, I've been telling my husband for months now, ever since we moved in, that this place is haunted, and he doesn't believe me. She's so upset, she's shaking and has to leave the house. I explained to her that I don't know what happened, and all I know is I called and I briefly spoke with someone. She thought maybe I called and got the voicemail and confused that for speaking with someone, but the voicemail clearly was not a strange voice saying, hello, can you hear me repeatedly? The caller ID also showed received calls versus missed calls, and the first call from my number was showing as a received call. I asked her if maybe someone had broken into her house. Should we call the police? 
She didn't want to do that. So I checked all the doors and windows, and the house seemed secure. She also had a security system that she had to disarm when we entered, which had not gone off. The kids were at school, her husband was at work, and she claims nobody else would have any reason to go into her house during the day. She even called a few people to confirm nobody had been at the house. At this point, I'm pretty freaked out. Of course, the damage for her insurance claim is in the creepy as hell basement where I had to go down by myself. (laughs) Nothing else unusual happened. But when I left, the homeowner was still not going to the house by herself and told she was going to go to her mother's for the rest of the day. She asked me repeatedly if her husband had put me up to this, or if I really called the wrong number, or I thought the lines might be crossed. I just wanted her to calm down, and I told her the lines were probably crossed, but I have no idea if that's even possible anymore. Yeah, I I love those sort of ghost in the machine kind of stories. I just read one. A woman, uh, a call was coming from my home repeatedly from 911 from this house to 911. And eventually the police were like, okay, we got to go check this out. They go and discover a woman who's died probably a month earlier. Oh, God. No one had been in the house. It was alarmed. Everything was shut, locked, everything. But 911 was repeatedly being called from the home. Oh, jeez. Until the police got to the house. Really? Yeah, and then it stopped. Once they discovered the dead woman, who had obviously not made the calls. Of course. Um, the, the call stopped. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so we have one last story. I like to consider myself a skeptical believer when it comes to ghosts. I've always had an interest in the paranormal, and I've had a few experiences that I have an open mind on. I'm always looking for a scientific, rational, or even common sense explanation. Through the careers I've had, and through my hobbies, I've had the opportunity to live, sleep, stay, camp in some very old historical, and sometimes reportedly haunted buildings in the U.S., well, I've never had the obvious, okay, there is a ghost and now it's walking away and now it disappeared experience. <laughs> I've had some unexplained things happen to me. This is one of them. This experience happened to me in October of 2011. I had moved to a suburb of Pittsburgh a couple of years ago for a career change. I was renting a house in an old steel mill town that, while not a dangerous neighborhood, had seen better days. Nearly every night after work, I go for a run along the same route down the main street, up one of the side streets a few blocks, and then take a parallel street home. On the side street on my route was an old schoolhouse that had probably been abandoned for about 30 years. This is one of your typical, they don't build them like they used to type schoolhouses. Built anywhere from the 1920s to the 1950s in my estimate. A stately yellow brick building two stories tall shaped like a T, with the top of the T facing the street and a long wing in the back. The first floor of the building was boarded up, covered in graffiti, and the second story windows were all broken out by vandals. I remember very well that this happened in October as it was getting dark at about 7pm when I would go on my runs. There was a chill in the air, and the leaves had changed. As I was passing the school on my run, I noticed that the first floor on the main front wing was all lit up. It appeared that there was some kind of open house going on, with a group of people in one of the rooms standing around enjoying refreshments. I remember very vividly seeing a guy with an ugly sweater visible through one of the windows looking out, a clock on the wall, and a bulletin board on the wall decorated for Thanksgiving, which was strange because it was still over a month away. I was on my run, getting tired, and it was getting dark, so I was booking it to get home, and I didn't really pay much attention to what was going on at the school. That is, until I made it about a block down the street. I stopped dead in my tracks and had a holy shit moment. That school is abandoned. I turned around and ran back, and the building was dark, gloomy, and boarded up just as it always was. No lights on, nobody inside the building, no Thanksgiving-themed bulletin board. Just broken windows, plywood, and graffiti. I think about this experience once in a while when I'm out on a run this time of year after the sun sets. 
I since have moved on, but every once in a while my job will take me to that town again. Sadly, the school was torn down. There have been rumors about turning it into apartments or a brewery, but apparently it was too far gone and the owner was holding out thinking someone would pay him big bucks for the building. Instead, the town condemned it. No worries, though. There's a boring modern school built not too far away. (laughs) This experience drives me crazy, though. I could have been daydreaming on my run, but it was so vivid. I am a healthy guy in my early 30s, in shape, no drugs, not a drinker. If I have that overactive an imagination, I've never realized it before. And nothing like this has ever happened since. Wow. Yeah. That one, there is a particular quality to that one. I don't know what it is. Yeah. But something about that really sticks with me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like getting a glimpse into the past. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. I wonder if that's why it connects so, so strongly. The sense of like a past long gone. Yeah. Absolutely. Huh. Well, that's going to do it for Ghost Stories in Pittsburgh for now. Uh, nice. We went way longer than we thought, <laughs> and we're not even done. I know. So when we come back from the break, we'll have some listener mail and our Patreon shoutouts. Welcome back. Thanks to our researcher, Luke Greensmith, for all the work he did on this episode. Mm-hmm. Again, as always, we'd be hooped without him. He did a great job. I actually got to speak to Luke on the phone for the first time the other day. What? I did. What does he sound like? Because he's such a big guy, I expect him to sound kind of gruff, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just got a very quite proper northern accent. Nice. It was great. Very so, cool. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a good dude. Good. And uh, I'll tell you more about that off air. <laughs> so we haven't seen each other much, so there's no, all this stuff. We're going to do a quick round of listener mail and then get to our Patreon shoutouts. Great. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you. All right, so we had uh, way too much mail to go through everything. <laughs> I know. Thank you to everyone who wrote in. We yes. try to respond to all of you personally. Absolutely. If you want to write to us, send us a message at ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. Comments, questions, uh, if you have a story to share, we're working on putting it together our next listener story episode. So we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we had a couple uh, couple emails we thought we'd focus on. We yeah. had a question from Robin. 
Robin wanted to know, have you two ever talked about your journey to get to the place you are in your paranormal lives? Because she remembers me mentioning in one episode that I made an offhand comment about not being where I am now and understanding what things meant. Yes. And uh, the short version, because we don't have a lot of time, the short version is that I'm really until I started writing my book, I didn't even know I had any kind of sensitivity. Yeah. And even then, I didn't know until I saw this shadow man in my office. And uh, for the full story of that, if you listen to episode uh, 12, we talk about my book. And um, A Strange Little Place, available everywhere. <laughs> Fine books are sold. Stop. Uh, and yeah, that, the full story is there. But I really, I, I was sort of clueless until then. And I mean, I'm still, I like to think I'm still clueless, but I'm much more aware. Yeah. You know, I understand feelings now when I have them, and it, they don't surprise me the way they used to. You came into it much earlier, though. Oh, I remember being a little kid uh, in England and knowing that there were other things in our house. And I remember vividly being about three and a half, four years old, looking up into the open attic because my dad had been up there that day and seeing a face look back at me. Oh, wow. And going and hiding in my bed with the covers over my head, which I continued to do until I was, I think, 14. I slept with the covers over my head because if I did that, nothing would bother me. Interesting. But if I had my head out of the covers, it yeah, it was awful. I can't say specifically who, but I know someone who's a little kid, I think when they were about five, they started having problems with hypoxia because they were they refused to come out from under the covers at night. Yeah. And I was not able to, you know, I don't know them well enough to, uh, to sort of suggest anything, but I think the kid was having some visitations. Yeah. And I think that was a problem. Yeah. And then it went from there. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So I uh, hope, that, hope that answers your question, Rob. Emily recommended some summer camp movies, including Wet Hot American Summer, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, it was funny. Um, I haven't really seen the shows, though. Have you? The uh... I've seen a couple of them, yeah. Okay. Not a lot. Right. Uh, and her husband apparently says that Friday the 13th is his favorite summer camp movie. Nice. With part four being the best. And on that, we are agreed. I I've... haven't seen any of them. No, that's fair. I have seen all, I think there's 10 or 11. Oh, I have seen Lord. all of them. And part four is definitely the best. <laughs> Uh, Jeff wrote to comment on episode 14, Annabelle in the Chamber of Air Quotes, because <laughs> uh, we were talking about Ed Warren yeah. designating himself as a Catholic exorcist, and you made a joke about other religions just having their own people who say, well, I'm now this. Yeah, yeah. And you talked about the Mormon mummy masher. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess Jeff is LDS. Oops. He's Mormon. Sorry, and Jeff. So, no, no, he says he is now the official Mormon mummy masher. <laughs> so all mummy-related requests can go to Jeff. Yeah, if you have a mummy in your basement that just won't shut up, call Jeff. Call Jeff. <laughs> He'll turn up in a very nice shirt, very nice white shirt. <laughs> With a little name badge. Yeah. <laughs> Two days after we decided on doing Pittsburgh, we got an email from Chris, who works at a Pittsburgh area video game company, yes. inviting us to take a tour should we ever end up there. So shout out to Shell Games, and uh, we'll definitely take you up on that when we're in the area, yeah. which I think will happen. Yay! I wanted to tell a story, and we just don't have time, so I will maybe do it next episode, or maybe I'll make it a bonus thing. Uh, but I have a very long connection to Pennsylvania. Okay. And uh, it just keeps intruding into my life. Interesting. So maybe that'll be the bonus episode. Is because it the Hershey's connection? Are the, you know, I don't like Hershey's chocolate. No, I don't either, actually. No. It's not very good quality. Cadbury's is good chocolate. Oh, yeah. British Cadbury's. Mm, yeah, of Amazing. course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now is the time where we thank our lovely patrons. Oh, my god! I can't believe we can actually do I, this. Yeah, I feel like a real boy now. Oh, I know, right? And <laughs> Now we're grown-ups. We are grown-ups. <laughs> If you want to become one of our patrons, you go to patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. We're, we have donations available at the $1, $5, $10, and $100, if you're feeling sassy, <laughs> level. And that gets you anything from a personal dollar. It gets you a shout-out on the show. 
And uh, from there, you get access to five gets the access to bonus content. Like uh, the last bonus episode, there was a 15, 12 or fifteen minute conversation that you and I had that just there was no time for in the show. Right. So that's available to patrons. There's uh, you get early access to the episode. I think patrons got the bonus episode about a day and a half ahead of schedule. Nice. And you also get other bonus stuff. We've got the guys the Snapchat, which we are so slowly muddling our way through. And uh, there is possible there will be other bonus material, uh, like maybe um, an extra patron-only episode, Ooh. things like this. So cool. we're exploring different options. It'll continue to evolve as yeah. we get used to it. And as um, we get more patrons. As we get more patrons. Uh, and you also, at the $5 above, you get a exclusive Ghostery Guys sticker. Which is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, designed by Canadian artist Wanda Fraser. Yeah. And we're very excited with that one. So, yes. And actually, we just had, I think, Courtney tagged us on Instagram. She just got her sticker in the mail. Yay! So the first batch went out and They're that making was... Him. They're making them. I wrote 35 personalized thank you notes. My hand was sore. I signed. You did. Them. You absolutely did. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> what a hero. Hey, champ. <laughs> Alright, so shout out to our current... Ba- to our newest batch of patrons, our first batch of patrons. Yeah. Uh, Cherie, Shannon Legro from Into the Fray. Thank you, Shannon. Anthony, Arwin. I'll read the whole name. Arwen Simons, Teresa Cox, Brandy Terry, Hannah Brown, Mary Suprenant, Jera Best, Wanda Fraser, hey Wanda, Courtney Bell, Morgan Young, Rosemary or Rosemary? I don't know. I don't know. It would depend on her. Probably Rosemary. We'll say Rosemary Tinapay, Peculiar Mayhem, Servando Sanchez Jr., Winter Amara, Sean Wick, Rachel GW, MJ. Actually, Rachel GW has joined our team as manager of the Facebook page. Yay! She's going to help us with social media. Thanks, Rachel. Yes, thank you very much. Takes the pressure off me. Yes, yes. <laughs> MJ, Sandra Suter, Christy Litwin, Lori F., Janet Runyon, Jennifer Burton, Jay Rowe, Nan Gardner, Tori Elliott, Tor- Tori. the Predator, the pre- <laughs> Danielle Harris, Chris Arnold, Kristen Timpson, Lizette Ceraceres, I hope I pronounced that right, Lizette. If not, I'm, I apologize. Peter Berkowitz, Jennifer Reince, and Matthew Gronkite. Amazing. You're all superstars. Thank you so yeah. much for helping us out. We, again, we can't believe how close we are to our goal of the show not costing us any money. I know. I'm ecstatic about this. Yeah. No, it's pretty and, great. And uh, from there, we're looking at having some new posters and t-shirts designed. Uh, we've got a couple artists I'm really excited to be working with who are just waiting for us to have money. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm excited. <laughs> Uh, and again, if you want to join the ranks of patrons, you go to patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys and uh, sign up and we will be eternally grateful. We will. Uh, what do we have coming up? We've got um, a meet and greet yeah. coming up now that will will have taken place by the time this airs. Yeah, next Monday. Yes. So Latoya. So Yesterday. Yes, technically it'll, technically <laughs> it'll be yesterday. When this episode it'll be yesterday. Yes. Uh, but LaToya is coming up to Victoria from yeah. wherever she lives, and I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, we have the Sydney Market coming Our up. Our last market Our day. last market day. August 30th. August 30th. We'll be there from 5 till 8.30? Uh, yeah, 5.30 to 8.30. Yep. So. Yeah, and hopefully no enchanted people steal our merchandise. That would be nice. That would be nice. <laughs> and uh, I will, I theoretically should have books. <gasps> I actually. They're coming on the donkey cart. Well, I got a hold of the publisher. And? And because it's been six weeks. And they're like, oops. No, they said they got lost somewhere. What? Yeah, she said they should have come by now. She said they, we sent them ground, so there's no tracking, but they should have been there by oh, now. Oh, no. So they're actually shipping me another box. <gasps> 
That's very kind. I'm so kind. So, Bobby, wow. I, I don't know if you're listening to this from uh, Llewellyn, but thank you so much. Yay, Llewellyn. You are a champ. You, yeah. you just saved my butt. Superstars. Yes. Yeah, so I'll have books. Are they sending it with tracking this time? <laughs> I didn't ask. <laughs> you don't want to push Be a bit luck. cheeky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so, yeah. So I'll be there selling books. We'll have Ghost Story Guys pins. And uh, yeah, I'm just excited to have a chance to chat with Barb. Yeah. Again. Always fine. Always fine. I may be on uh, the Journey Through the Gate podcast coming up later this month. Okay. It looks like you and I are going to be on there uh, sometime next month. Okay. And we may be on Ryan Sprague's Somewhere in the Skies in early October. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Ryan seems like a cool guy. I've, I listened cool. to his show, but I've never actually spoken to him before. Oh, okay. So I'm curious to see what that's going to be like. I know. Let's hope we don't drop the ball. Eh? Hopefully not. Thank you to Pizzanta Music for our theme music. You can find him online at soundcloud.com slash Music. And he just dropped a second new album, the sequel to Lo-Fi Evening, Lo-Fi Evening 2. Oh, clever name. Yes. <laughs> Thematically similar. Yes. But it's a very good album, and it's available on all major streaming services. Thank you to our musical guests. We had three on this episode, all of them from the Pittsburgh area. In our first break, we had Dolly Sods with their song Field Notes. Again, the name of their album is I Was Born in the Background of the Best Things of the Past. I love that. And you can find that on Bandcamp at dollysods, D-O-L-Y-S-O-D-S dot bandcamp.com and on all the major streaming services. During the second break, we played an excerpt from 1876 by Steel City Ruins. Their album One was released earlier this year and you can pick that up at steelcityruins.bandcamp.com or hear it on all the major streaming services. And finally, the song we'll be going out on tonight is Haunter by Soda Club. Uh, Soda Club has recently split up. I think they were not around for a very long time. Oh, wow. Uh, they only released two EPs and a single, but they were a really good band. And I love this song. And it, it doesn't refer to the kind of haunting that we usually talk about, <laughs> but it stays with you. So I think Excellent. it's a great note to go out on. Uh, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. We have 53 already. Woo-hoo! I can't believe it. That's amazing. We had we were lucky to have four, and one yeah. of them was me. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that one. Yeah. yeah, and now we have 53. Amazing. That's so thank I'm you. I'm going to have to look at iTunes to see if I can actually read them. I haven't read any of them. I just saw the, the number 53 okay. next to the star nice. ratings. Um, I'm almost afraid to read the actual ratings. I'm not. I can't wait. Bring it on. You're very brave. I know it. Again, if you have a story you want to share with us or you got a question or comment, send it to ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. We respond yep. to everybody. Absolutely. And, uh, of course, we're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash ghoststoryguys. And the Instagram account is fired up again recently. Yay. So uh, if you want, it's mostly just goofy memes that I find, that either me or Ian find funny. Come find us over at instagram.com slash ghoststoryguys. If for some reason you want to hear more of my voice, you can find me on a <laughs> I do a weekly music show called Largely the Truth on Stoke FM. That's Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Pacific on 92.5 Stoke FM or via the web at stokefm.com. Victoria's Most Haunted uh, in its second printing. So, uh, oh, is that out now? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the exciting. new printing's out. So, Fantastic. Um, you can find that anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Chapters, Indigo, all those things. So, Yes, and you can find my book, A Strange Little Place. Ever find books are sold. Mostly Amazon. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this time. We'll be back in two weeks with another show, and until then, into the darkness we go. I am your moon I took on your blue shine I reflect the light I'm given 
working just to live Waiting on a kiss Can't imagine more Crouch here on the floor Of your kitchen
don't even want me. I 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 don't even want me. Well, I think I'll be editing this out. <laughs> TBT to that time, Ian said... <laughs> oh, look, the Patreon's gone. Just- oh, God. That's a vivid picture you've just painted. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't know who's worse. Too far. Maybe. Maybe. We'll leave it in and see what happens. Oh, no, let's not. No, let's not. <laughs> Archer back can't see the television. <laughs> Yellow leather, red leather. I was just gonna do <laughs> red leather, yellow leather. That's right. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. <laughs> All right. Okay. <clears throat> Welcome to the Ghost Story, guys. I'm Brennan Store. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is the show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun is set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 39, and I'm coming to you from the... Fuck, I... Oh, I fucked it up. Wow. Brutal. I got... You know what? I got distracted thinking about the echo. Right. Don't think about the echo. I'll work on not thinking about the echo. Don't. It doesn't exist. It's all I can hear. It's, <laughs> it's all I can but hear. then take off the fucking headphones. Good point. Yeah. Well, now I can hear it. Yeah. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I recently told him not to get married. I haven't heard from him since. <laughs> can't imagine why. No, I know, no. I know. It was in a Yelp review because only the kind of person who would have this experience would, would be on Yelp. <laughs> I wrote on Yelp. Okay. Well, like back in 2013, 14, yeah, exactly. not anymore. Not anymore. You have a life now. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Why don't I meet stupid rich people with too much money to throw around? <laughs> it's like I just saw someone talking about, I don't want a sugar daddy. I'd rather have a sugar buddy. Like, I just call them up and say, how you doing? And they're like, I'm good. Thanks for asking. Here's $7,000. <laughs> I, too, would like a sugar buddy. Right? Yeah. I could go for that. Well, that's disappointing. That's <laughs> I thought Big Boobs 29 really wanted to be my friend. Nope. Just wants your money. Will I get something in exchange for that one? <laughs> no, you will not. No, never mind. Okay. Abort. Abort. Not that I would have anyways. No. I no. have too much decency and goodness for that. Really? Don't you fucking look at me like that, you son of a That's bitch. new. <laughs> I'm trying something so different. Is that an upgrade? Yeah. I'll give you a fucking upgrade. <laughs> Okie dokie. Oh, it's getting warm. It's, yeah, it's not taking long. 